Hello, wonderful beings. Welcome back to the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Nerd Talk, my guest is Felix Erle, and the topics of our conversation are ground living, the recent birth of his daughter, and what it means to raise wild kids. Felix lives a simple life in Rudolstadt, Germany, with a small family, and he takes a really intentional view with his life, so it's always a treat speaking with him and hearing about his great insights. Really enjoyed our conversation, and we hope that you enjoy listening. This episode of the show is brought to you by TFC Health Kits. Sustainably resolving injuries can be really frustrating if you don't have the right information. And we created health kits not to tell you what exactly what to do, but to explain the root causes of common issues and provide you with a framework and some practical tools so you can begin experimenting and making progress. Our foot and ankle health kit was released on December 15th, and you can get more information by visiting beamtribe.com and clicking on the health kit tab. Every health kit comes with an effectiveness guarantee. So if after four weeks of 20 minutes a day, you haven't found an improvement in your issue by using the health kits, we give you your money back. This episode of Nerd Talk is also brought to you by UFS Footprints. Late in 2020, we realized that the most significant way that TFC can help footwear manufacturers improve their products is to offer an alternative to traditional lasts. So lasts are these solid forms used during the manufacturing process that end up giving footwear its shape. And unfortunately, most lasts being used today look nothing like feet. Very weird, but it's true. Uh, They're narrow and they taper in at the toes, which kind of goes against the natural shape of the human foot, which splays out and gets widest to the toes. So UFS footprints are precision 3D printed foot models that use a new and intuitive sizing system, which is basically just the length and the width of your foot in millimeters. And they're shaped like feet. They're modeled after actual pictures taken, actual models and renderings taken from human feet. If you're tired of tight pointed shoes, Help us spread the word to manufacturers that a better alternative is now available uh, in order to create human-shaped footwear. And if you want more information, you can check out disruptfootwear.com or email disruptfootwear at gmail.com. That's it for sponsors. Let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. Hello, wonderful humans. Welcome back to the TFC Audio Project. Um, Today, I'm speaking with German foot nerd and a repeat guest of the show, Felix Erle. And we're going to chat about a couple things, um, but primarily we're going to talk about ground living, what that means and how we've sort of transitioned to that. And also we're going to talk about uh, the recent, recent birth of Felix's daughter um, and also touch on what it means to raise wild kids if we get time for that. So Felix, thanks for being available today. I was yep, saying when we went on, again. you know, we talk on the phone, but I forget how magical your beard is. So it's nice to see your face once in a while. <laughs> yeah he's appreciating as well to look in, in your tiny ass beard <laughs> yeah I'm, dude i'm starting to grow a bit of a face warmer it's getting cold here in canada so it's yeah. time for uh facial protection good move good move. yeah so um there was a i had kind of a bunch of ways in mind to start this but i think probably the best way to start it is talk, let's talk about ground living and i'd love to hear um what does ground living mean to you let's start there uh, ground living means to me um, a new perspective uh, on mm. life. You know, okay. it, it's um, to create a new perspective, pretty much, because you always have to have um, you have to have make the step first to to change behavior. So it's always a little bit foreign and alien to start with. But um, ground living really means to enter a new perception and. I mean, ultimately, worldview, actually. 
And wow, this is way deeper than I thought this was going to be. This is great. Because I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're literally, I mean, the way we live our lives, the way like the, the chair-based lifestyle that we have is like this base foundation of our daily existence. And when you, when you change that and you challenge that and say, wow, the thing I do every single day I'm learning now is not serving me, is actually contributing problems with my body. It's like, oh shit, what else? am I not aware of, you know? So I agree. Yeah. It, it is a very big perspective shift. Um, if you, if you are willing to lean into it. Yeah, exactly. Because there's the connected and the disconnected worldview. And I would say definitely that ground living is part of the connected worldview and you can, you know, just bring it down to the scale of, um, the daily life of a human, the connected worldview and, um, connected with my body. You know, my mind is connected with my body and therefore my mind has to pay attention to the things that serve my body. And the chair is not serving my body. It's just serving my mind that I get comfortable. Mm -hmm. But the real comfort is, you know, has been found in um, being just comfortable with your body. And that's what ground living is supporting. Cool. I love that. And I've been, I've been digging into a guy, slight side note, but I, I promise it's related. I've been digging into a guy called Anthony DeMello. And he's just like got these amazing little books. And I'm going through his audiobook right now called Awareness. And one thing he says is that uh, no one can teach you how to, how to awaken. How, like he, the, the big paradigm that he uses is some people are asleep and some people are awake. And when we're asleep, we're essentially on autopilot, probably very similar to what you're talking about, like a disconnected worldview. Um, but what he said is that no one can teach you how to wake up. They can only teach you the signals that you're asleep. Yeah. And I found that insanely powerful because you're not, it allows you to not actually ever tell someone how to live or behave. It just allows you to show them the problems that they may be causing for themselves, right? Show people what they're doing wrong based on physiology or based on your experience. And permit them uh, to let them pave their own path to discover what is right or what they want to do. But I think ground living is one of those things where you're like sitting for long periods of time is really bad for your body and your mind. And you don't even have to yeah. tell someone how to, how to fix that. You just have to make sure they're aware of that. Um, and so when did you become aware that ground living was a thing? And then how did that sort of start to change how you live your life at home? Yeah, it was because of the knee pain that I had. Um, that was the, the trigger to change behavior. Um, you know, I had knee pain for quite a long period of time. So it was not that I, oh, I have knee pain, ground living. Boom. How did that transition go? <laughs> um, and more importantly, how did you connect the knee pain um, to, to like chairs? Like how did you come to the conclusion that ground living could be a solution to your knee pain? Yeah, because I connected uh, the knee pain to um, rehab that I wanted to do is to implement a squat into my life. Okay. And so it was knee pain, squat, ground living, because the squat ultimately brought me down to the ground. And yeah, that was the reason why I started with cutting off the legs from the table. <laughs> I love so that. So I, I was pretty much squatting every, <laughs> the whole day, every day. Right. Um, I did it really... Uh, radical so I just had really um, 20, 20 centimeters height so not like yet now I have 40 so I figured things out over time cool. and but boom I want to really li live on the ground with eating 
and interacting with friends. So there's a huge amount of time that you can spend in the squad um, when you focus on these things. Yeah, and that's what I did. Um, mm. Knee pain, squad, tables down. And that was my, my first introduction into ground living. Okay, Dude, so I had... That's amazing. And I love how... I think one one stream of um, of similarities that I that I kind of sense within the foot nerd community is that people are it's a group of people who are willing to experiment with radical change, right? Most people are don't handle radical change well because it's just too mm -hmm. different, right? It scares them away. But I think foot nerds are like, well, if that's a better way, I'm gonna just do it. Like, what's the worst that happens? I don't like it or it doesn't work, and I go back to the old way. Like that that's I'm cool with that. And yeah. I think I share that with you. And it really allows you to get really like big contrast, right? Like instead of going bit by bit, it's like, oh, I'll take away 30 minutes of sitting. It's like, no, I'm going to go straight to the ground. I'm going to ditch all chairs and I'm going to see how my life changes. And, you know, when I did that, it was, it was a radical transformation in my understanding of why my body was the way it was. Like, why were my hips so tight? I could, I, I could never realize that. Right. And it's like in physio school and even in common culture, especially in fitness culture, we think that, Oh, if you can't squat, well, you just need to take a squat supplement, right? You need to do this amount of reps, this amount of sets. You need to work on this mobility as a mobility supplement. And I think people underestimate how truly powerful it is to simply integrate the squat into your daily life. You don't have to do any work. You just have to integrate it into your life lifestyle and guess what you end up with a magically beautiful squat in a very short period of time because you're just your life revolves around using that position in your repertoire and then your body adapts very quickly and it's just exactly. like yeah. i wish more people knew that i mean um so you're absolutely right and i think that people need a huge wall that they have to run against and this huge wall was for me that i didn't want wanted to have a, um, a physician looking in my knee. You know, there was a surgery and I didn't want the surgery. So, you know, I had pain going down into a squat, but <laughs> I also didn't want it to have anything inside of my knee. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, even what's, the, what's the term? Um, I don't know. So they go into your, into your joint and they look for certain things that right. they do. A, it's a scope. They do an arthroscope a scope. and they, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't want it that. And then I decided just go through the pain and squat the hell out of your knees. So, well, you <laughs> just took, yeah, I mean, it sounds to me like you just took responsibility. You're like, this is my body. Yeah. I'm this responsible for it. I'm not going right. to essentially give off my responsibility to a doctor to, to fix me. I'm going to take ownership for what I'm doing to create this problem. And I think all problems, no problem is fixed by others. All problems are fixed, I think, through awareness and understanding. That's another thing from Demela. This guy's blowing my mind, man. I got to give you, I ordered this book. Give me one sec. I ordered this book and I'm like, okay, it arrives in the mail. This is how big the book is. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is this? What did I order? And then I realized this is the best idea ever. I could literally put this in my pocket. Yeah, and if I like want to sit down for five minutes, just read a little section. And anyway, it's one of the, I'll send one to you next time I, I send it. you a package. Cause it's like, Oh, it makes like, it gives me goosebumps. Some of the shit he says, and it's so simple, but it's like, Oh my goodness, this is such <laughs> wisdom. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, it's just awareness and understanding. And if you don't understand, if you didn't understand that your knee problem was a derivative of essentially your movement behaviors and especially sitting, 
you never would have come to the solution of taking responsibility and changing your behaviors, right? So it's like, yeah. that's, that's really the disconnect that it seems with health. People don't know that they can take responsibility. And even, even if they start to feel that, they actually don't even know, they don't have the awareness of like, well, how do I start to work on things? And I mean, you know, you're the leader, you're the lead creator of Beam Tribe. That's what Beam Tribe's all about, is give mm -hmm. a community of people around the world the ability to watch short little videos to improve their awareness so they can take back responsibility. And it's so yeah, simple, it, but it's very powerful. And trust in yourself. I mean, that was right. a big lesson. You know, yep. just trust your body. Mm -hmm. um, he's not there to fight you. And if you have the right tools and the right mindset and the right attention and intention, um, you know, problems can be solved. And there's a lot of information that you can learn from it and with it. Yeah. So. Yeah, your body's a beautiful teacher. If you act, the thing is, most people don't even don't know yeah. it's a teacher. They look at it as a, as a nuisance, which is this really weird mindset. Um, and if you don't know, you can learn from your body. You're never going to be listening to the lessons it teaches you. And I think once you open up your ears and realize, wow, pain is a really good signal, mental or it physical. Is. Yeah, and it is the stimulus for change. And it's like, it's so funny how we learn to demon the people who make money treating pain demonize pain as something that you need to come see me for but it's so so messed up because if i if you come to see me with your pain and i quote unquote fix your pain you'll never learn the lesson that that pain was intended to create and it's like it's no wonder everyone's messed yeah. up no one's learning from the from the signals yeah it's just treating and not healing and right. healing is best in your own wall you know yes. when it happens in your own wall yep. which is your body so, I think healing can only happen in your own wall. Like yeah. that's, that was the biggest gut punch I've had as a physio was when I learned that like, I cannot make anyone better. Hmm. Only people can make themselves better. And so long as people think that when they come see me, they're, they're getting fixed. Hmm. I cannot maintain like an actual sustainable relationship with this person and help them reclaim the relationship with them with themselves and understanding. So long as they think I am the one who's responsible for their health. And it's like, That's this big paradigm shift that I think in the world of healthcare needs to happen, right? We need to get all the health professionals to come together in this like forum space and just be like, all right, people, let's have conversations to figure out how the hell we can fix this very broken machine. And we all need to co-create the solution and we all need to help each other get better. And that's really what health pro is going to be about when it eventually happens it's a i'm very scared of it because i'm i'm intimidated because it's a massively important and massively ambitious project but it'll be all hands on deck at that point so um yeah but but i i think ground living can be a huge part of this you know and it's yeah. really simple and it doesn't cost any money and i agree you know just imagine every unit every every human on planet earth is on ground living there's a, a huge benefit You know, over time, over years, you have to, you know, have to think in years. Mm -hmm. I had like four years after I started ground giving, I had like this moment, ah, okay, I'm right now out of pain because of ground living for four years. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a signal that it came from my body. Right. It right into my mind that, dude, those four years just paid out now. <laughs> right. It's like delay of gratification. I remember this yeah. day like it was yesterday and... You know, it's, it's just hypothetically, but if every human would live ground living style, um, 
massive change, a massive change in physiology yeah. and perception and body-mind connection. It would pay out beneficial to everyone. I agree. We should make a, a ground living uh, channel on Beam Tribe Slack. I just realized. Yeah, that. we should. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if can you imagine if I mean, I feel like the programming starts very early, and we have to almost target the early programming, right? Like schools. When you go to school, you're taught that sitting is what you is what humans do. Sitting in chairs, rather, not not sitting. You can sit on the ground. You can sit in a lot of different ways. It's sitting in one single way that's the damaging part, and. I think, and I think, we, I think, I think sitting on the ground is totally different than sitting in a chair because yeah. there is like a totally different tension line that is going through your body. You know, your body realizes yep. that you are, that you are at the finish line, you are on the ground. And when you sit in a chair, you are on the midway and you just stop. And I think the body realizes and it expresses itself in a tension line that goes through the body that it's an incomplete movement sitting in a chair. Right. So it's not just the variety in sitting that you have on the ground. I think it's the simplicity and complexity that matters in this moment because it's just complete. Mm -hmm. You know, you are on the finish line. You're on the ground. Right. I think it's, it's a massive difference um, sitting on the ground than in a chair. A chair is totally unnormal and the body realizes it. Yeah. Well, it's normal. It's unnatural. It's unnatural. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and it's very, you know, it's very interesting. Like I, I remember I, I struggled the last little bit. What was the last element that you had uh, of, of like relics of a chair in your house? Was it, was it chairs or was it uh, the couch? The couch. Like, well, the couch. The, the couch. The, yeah. couch, the, the couch was my the, last one too. The chairs were gone immediately. Like with cutting off the, the, the table, all chairs were gone <laughs> nice. because it was the chair, you know? The, yeah. the couch came after that okay the couch is a chair just more comfortable and you can lay down but <laughs> yeah. fuck it's a chair <laughs> the couch is a stubborn one it's like the worst kind of chair because it's the it sucks you in it literally sucks your ass into it and it's like you will not be it released does. you're here now yeah. It um, does. yeah and for me like there was an element of hesitation uh well i lived with olivia olivia didn't want to get rid of the couch and you live if you're listening to this this is just the truth so it's all good uh, <laughs> um but you know that for me i was like well what if my mom comes over like she's gonna have a hard time getting up and down at the ground and then at a certain point i'm like what the fuck am i talking about i'm gonna help her get down and figure out how to navigate the ground when she comes over and that's exactly what happened i had these little yoga cushions and you know, we stacked up a couple of the, the TFC stools, put a piece of wood. That was the dining table. And we kind of problem solved together. We're like, okay, I got these yoga cushions. Let's see if we can figure out a comfortable position you can get on, uh, you can adopt for dinner that is really close to the ground. And we're like, I'm here to help you. We're just going to figure it out. And she was like, this is actually really comfortable. And it was this beautiful realization that like my hesitation to get rid of some of the sitting furniture so that my mom could sit was like, I'm literally enabling my mom to continue sitting down. And now that she's discovered how comfortable it is to sit on the ground, she might adopt yep. it in her home slowly. And I was like, that's the key is you lead by example and just decide that it's important enough to change. And people are always welcoming when you, when you're showing them how to, uh, that you've done it and why you're doing it, it will permeate their, their kind of mental mindset over time, even if it's not right away. Yeah, exactly. And there's another story that, just um came to my mind um 
you know, Nadi's mom were there, so my, my wife's mom. Yep. And she was just wondering how well um, Nadi did with getting off the ground, you know, with uh, pregnancy. Um, so nine months in. Mm-hmm. And it was something that, that we didn't even think about or thought about right. because it was just normal. We live ground living, so we get on the ground, off the ground every day, all right. day. It's just like, it's like, like taking a pee. You don't even think about it. You're, you're pregnant and you get off the ground so well, you know, so it, it was yeah. alien to her. Right. That you are pregnant and you get off the ground like with ease. Right. Okay. And that's what ground yeah. living is. It's just a normal. You know, it's not, a, not something that you have to accomplish. It's just normal. So it's a normal perception on life. That's ultimately a world. So yep. that's why it's a worldview. And yeah, and that's the benefit. You know, you just have a new normal where you're your ease um, in movement starts from the ground. Life is your training. Life is your physical training. Instead of like, you don't have to go to the gym. You just have to live in accordance to- You don't have to go to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for gym owners out there. And you know what, if you want to go to the gym, go ahead and go. I'm just saying you don't have to. You can, but you don't have to. Um, It's always good to start in the gym and- uh, to for sure. membership and everything but i it, i think even this notion of a gym you know after all this covid stuff going on this notion of a gym is going to change i really think that we need to reclaim the the community center banner and that like in the future if we expand tfc and we have physical locations they're not going to be stores that space is taken up by products everything you can purchase will be stuck on the walls and it'll be an open space for movement, for play, for getting people in a community to come together and have conversations. Like I think a gym and the good gyms are this, right? The good fitness facilities are community centers, almost more so than they are physical fitness centers, because it's where people go to connect with other people in person, which is very important. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think the issues that people have when they start to remove chairs, like the, the soreness that they get or the, um, you know, the discomfort of always having to shift position, it becomes, the, it, that becomes training, right? If you, if you reframe that as the soreness I'm getting or the, um, the sort of the confusion I have with how to, how to position myself, like how do I work at a laptop on the floor? Well, no one's get, no one needs to tell you how to do that. You can figure, you're an adult, you can figure it out. And you just have to have faith that like, this is so important that I need to figure this out, right? Because if you don't think it's important, then you're just going to be like, well, I'm just going to sit on a chair on the couch. But if you think it's important, then it's worth putting in the work. And it is work, right? Like you just said, you put in four years worth of work to get the end result of not having knee pain. Mm-hmm. And you have, to, you have to trust that it's going to be worth it. I think that's a big thing as well. It's like people are like, oh, well, if it doesn't improve in a week, it's not worth it. It's like it took you decades to create the problem. Let's just be a bit patient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And maybe it's not even work. It's just a way of living. Right. Um, that you put in for four years and um, that is what makes you able to um, get aware of it that change happened right because that's another thing you have to be aware that you have the awareness to be aware of to change happened <laughs> that's, that's you know? a, that's so it's, it's just a process it's yeah. an aware process and right. that's what living actually is to pay attention you know standard present awareness and it's really a key for me to always get back to standard present awareness and ground living 
keeps you in that space more than you know the modern lifestyle um so yeah that helped me a lot and just another fact to the gyms um they are not really unnecessary because we live in the modern world and when people you know desire to have like an unnatural shaped body so you need unnatural practice with all the weightlifting and this kind of stuff and it can be a desire and Mm -hmm that's not achievable with ground living and just practicing health at home within your life and, you know, the lifestyle. Right. And, but for health is this approach really helpful. If your goal is just to be a healthy human, ground living is going barefoot, ground living and going out into nature, um, movement. This practice is really helpful if your goal is being a healthy human, then you don't right. need a gym. If you want to be, you know, a bodybuilding or any other kind of body shape, um, a gym is really necessary and helpful for this. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing to want those. I think it's important no, to know why, you're, why you want them. But I also exactly. think that many people do that at the expense of health. And then it's a problem. Right. That's it's like thing, yeah. if you're doing the health part right, you can layer on extra things, right? Like people who like jujitsu, like if people think they're crazy, why do you go strangle each other? You know, because yeah. they find meaning in the practice. People might find meaning in building and sculpting a body, like a bodybuilder. But I think it's important to note that you have the foundation that, that should be built on is health, is, is a life lived in accordance with your biology. Because guess what? You're going to do that stuff way better if you're healthy. Right? Exactly. And, um, yeah, I think another cool thing about ground living, I mean, I don't have kids um, yet, but I'm sure it's a very different perspective when your parents live on the same level as you, right? Like when you, like, there's something with that, right? You're at, you are, you are on their level. They are living, I mean, number one, you're programming them to be, to not be domesticated because let's be real, chairs are domestications. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the gym is an artifact of domestication, right? Like, you have domesticated, which is this weird artificial life that we've created um, that is creating problems. Then you have being wild, which is like living in accordance to what humans are supposed to be doing with their bodies, which uh, like if you live wild, uh, health doesn't have to be something you aspire to. It's just a byproduct of living a wild lifestyle. But I'm sure like, have you noticed the difference in, in um, you know, how you interact with, with your kids being on the ground more? I mean, you just mentioned that you are on, on eye level um, yeah. the whole time or, you know, while dinner and lunch. And, um, you know, they are not at an age that they can tell me how they feel about it to be with me on eye level. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty normal for me because I don't have um, a different experience. You know, I didn't have kids um, there kids that sit on sat on chairs or something like that but right um one thing that i can say is that chairs are like sugar um they attract kids Mm. so when we are not at home and we are somewhere else at my parents house or something like that um the the chairs get into their field of attention Mm. and they sit on chairs you know I don't say, oh, go off the chair. It's a chair because blah, blah, blah. And then I lose my right. mind in right. uh, <laughs> educating them about the problems right. that, you know, a chair comes with. But um, I would just say that chairs are like sugar. 
Um, and and a bit of sugar I, is okay. It's and just, a bit of sugar is okay. Yeah. But I really like I like it to have my kids on eye level. That's what I can say. And I appreciate it that I that I can grow up in this environment. You know, because I feel the benefits for myself and I'm glad that I don't have to feel the difference. Right. You know, that's the thing that I can tell you about this. You know, I can't tell you how they feel, but right. I appreciate the chance that I was able to make the change for myself so they don't they they don't have to experience the difference, you know? Right. You yeah, so, like creating a different template for them is a lot allowing them to not have to have the knee pain to stimulate them to have to think of ground living, right? Like hopefully yeah. they just, I mean, kids are so resilient, um, but either way you're giving them a much more robust template for, you know, how to live in a way that's healthy. Right. And I, I really think that we're coming into a generational shift of people who are open-minded and willing to experiment from a generation of very rigid minded you know, people There's, who have lived, and I don't blame them. If I was my parents, I would be the same. I would have this probably the same rigidity to change because I've just lived my life that way forever. So why would I change now? And, you know, I, it's cool because I, I see behaviors rubbing off on them where they're now asking questions. I've just stopped uh, wanting to, to help them. Not stop wanting to help them, but I've stopped trying to teach them things. And I simply just live according to the way that I think is healthy. And I, and I openly field questions that they start to ask. And they're asking way more questions now, which is very cool. And it really resonates the fact that when you behave, your behavior is the biggest thing that can change other people, not your words. I always tell people, I try and teach health as much as I can without ever using words. And it's way more yeah. powerful. Yeah, it is. Because the truth is learned and not told. Yes. That was like, I think that's a quote that I heard and yeah, I recognize it as the truth. So I just, yeah. Remember it. And truth and requires awareness and you can help expand people's awareness by living your truth. Yeah. And as you said, um, the healthy and the unhealthy life, you know, as life started, life was just life and right. we made it unhealthy. And so my kids, I do my best, you know, we live in the world we live in. So I can't do anything, but as best as I can now, I just, you know, share the experience of live a life. Whether it's healthy or unhealthy, I, I just focus on life, right. you know, and maybe they don't ever hear the difference between healthy and unhealthy so they can experience on their own. Um, right. You know, there's this conversation always with, it's called Gummibärchen in German, you know, these little beers made out of, chemicals okay these uh gummy passion um you know is it, like so, is it like soda no 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 it's something to eat actually okay. these little it's just waste and it's, is it gummy bears it sounds gummy like gummy bears. Bears. Yeah, oh my god it actually is bears. it sounds just like that <laughs> gummy, gummy bears, bears. <laughs> gummy bears <you> know. <laughs> and, oh, that was a great and, translation <laughs> and it's something that you know, on kids get in on every corner, you right. know, every, every adult that wants to bring joy into the life of a kid <laughs> right. has, gummy, has gummy bears for them. 
And, you know, hands down, my kids are three years old now and they never ate a gummy bear. And I'm really proud of it. And we had a really funny situation once at a little restaurant. Uh, we were with friends there and they have a little daughter. She's like the same age, uh, like my twins. Mm -hmm. And the owner just brought out the gummy bears for, for the friend's kid. And they took it and then, oh, there are another two. Um, yeah, here's something for you. And we are now, we are good, we're good. And they thought we are just like, ah, it's okay, you know? And like, we are, um, you know, like <laughs> we are just too, too kind. Oh, now uh, don't do the extra work, you know? Right. And she was like, no, nah, no problem. It's no problem. And we know, <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're totally fine. And she was like, totally like, or not what, <laughs> what? this oh. reminds me of my chair conversation i have all the time people are like oh have a seat i don't want to sit oh please we insist we will be I'm like, i don't want a chair <laughs> i i don't want it and yeah so and we just have the conversation with the kids you know they're like um yeah just say no we don't eat it because we always say it's uh it's just chemicals Right. And then they say, oh, no, oh, chemicals. Okay. And um, then they delicious, say, no. delicious chemicals, delicious chemicals. <laughs> yeah. And they understand it. And, you know, we have just these little conversations with them. And it's, yeah. it's quite funny, actually. It's well, quite funny. The conversations are so important because we underestimate how smart kids are. Right. Like, <laughs> I think the default is we need to protect our kids by not giving them things. Right. Like, oh, don't give them a cell phone. Don't give them sugar. They're going to find it. So it's way better to have conversations with them and ha have them understand the reason why instead of depriving them of it, let them understand why they shouldn't even want it in the first place. They're so smart. And yeah. it's like, that's, it's a very, I think, different parenting style. And um, it's just so interesting that we underestimate how the capacity of kids to rationalize and understand and make their own good decisions by being given more information instead of just being sheltered from things that they're going to encounter in life. Let's be real. Like if you don't give your, if you don't let your kid have sugar, but never explain to them why, and then they're like eight years old and they taste sugar for the first time, you, that's, that's going to be, that, that kid is going to be addicted to sugar <laughs> like, right away. The most, uh, uh, they're like, I've been betrayed. The most delicious thing I've ever tasted was, <laughs> was never given to me, but it's like, if they know why, and I think saying it's chemicals is true. I mean, it is chemicals, really. The bulk of it is unnatural things that have been refined to the point of not even being recognizable by the human body. Yeah. And then they just load it with sugar, which, make, which lights up our brain centers and makes us want more. Um, yeah. Yeah, good so for you. We just, yeah, we just brought the attention to the separation of natural and chemical. Mm -hmm. And this is how we separate the sweets that are available for the kids. So the gummy bears are chemical and there are the natural sweets. You know, my kids always do birthdays and other occasions. Um, you know, the, the, my parents or their grandparents, they just ask and they are getting nuts and dates cool. for three years now. And that's like when we say, okay, nature does amazing sweets and it's mm -hmm. dates and or nuts, you know, it's right. also fruit, um, a really good thing. And they ate more nuts and dates in three years than i did in 30 years so <laughs> but it's a good trade i was actually going to ask you about like do they do halloween in germany is that a thing? yeah we, yeah yeah it's it's a thing but it's what's just it called fake halloween 
Halloween. Oh, there you go. Another it's word that's similar. In, it's just stolen. And I don't, I, for me, it doesn't play any role in my life. Yep. Um, even when I was a kid, I, did, I didn't really like to dress myself in a costume mm -hmm. for my entire life. So I'm not really connected to this kind of stuff. And yeah, but they, they go from door to door with some kids. Um, it's not that big, like in the States or maybe in Canada as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. Cool. Cause uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so sad where it's been brought to right? Like it's literally just a, like a diabetes night, right? Like kids just consuming, it's getting yeah. rid of money and, um, and <laughs> eating chemicals, like literally chemicals. This is what yeah. it is. And if we just like, imagine we change the culture of Halloween, still let kids dress up if they want, go around, meet people. Yeah. But instead of giving them crap, what if we just gave them like, good things like natural date nut seed bars and whatever and dates you know like <laughs> literally we could we could change that culture but it, it's so sad and around halloween like a month before halloween i always remember this this stuck out to me as such a weird thing i walked into a pharmacy so a place where you're supposed to go to when you're sick to get medicine to make you better like that was my my mom's a pharmacist that was my whole mm. notion of a pharmacy and the first thing you encounter when you walk into a pharmacy about starting October 1st is a wall of disease causing crap. Like literally it's, there's so much of it. Like you have to, you have to like walk around a maze to get to things that aren't going to you know, crush your system. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's such a, it's, it's just such a disconnect. It's like, since when did pharmacies make money by selling things that made you need drugs from that pharmacy? Like it's just so, it's so wacky. And it's just way to implement it into, you know, everything, you know, yeah. they, they don't even know that they do bad, especially right. the, the people that have worked there and they right. just sell it. Right. And, and Easter's really, like that too. Like we've Easter's literally just created sugar holidays and Christmas yeah. too. It's so, it's Christmas so wacky. Like, uh, isn't the, the Santa invented by Coca-Cola or is it just a story? And maybe I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, it's, I think I heard of it. But the whole thing's wacky, man. I don't it's know. So, it's so, it makes you uncomfortable to, to look at reality objectively and be like, it's no wonder people are so confused. We literally have just programmed our entire culture to <laughs> love holidays where we eat junk. Like it's, it's yeah. whoa, what, when, how, why? <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, and it's not yeah, that we... But, you know, my feeling is not that we have to eliminate these things, but we have to reframe them. Like if Halloween was about going around and getting delicious things made by nature, I'm cool with that. That's great. You know, if Christmas was about just like being thankful that you have a lot of amazing things and being grateful, that'd be great. You know, get together with family, have a meal, but all the, all the unnecessary shit of like just buying, 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 consume this, consume that, you know, we need, it's this holiday. We need to buy a bunch of this. It's like, like what consumerism just literally runs us run. It runs the it illusion really, that we're all stuck in. And it's really sad. I mean, just so, but here's the link back to Groundling. Just imagine um, nobody ever produced a chair. Yeah. The world would be green as hell. <laughs> yeah. And people wouldn't <laughs> be as trees, messed up. All the trees, you know, for all the yeah. chairs that, uh, that were ever produced. Yeah. Um, all the plastic. So you, all the plastic as well, you know, you can really lose your mind in that. Yeah. And it's a chair is just consumerism. Yep. You know, for yeah. seemingly having a comfortable life. 
uh, where you have to so pay. So let's, let's do some. Years. Yeah. So yeah, that's. Well, good. I was just gonna say, let's talk about let, before we end off on ground living. Let's talk about some pragmatic things. So a first step that someone can do, uh, you know, that you know, if someone said, Felix, I live a chair life. I want to live. I want to start living uh, a ground based lifestyle. Where do I start? I can't make these drastic changes. I can't get rid of all my chairs. What is the best way for me to begin to start to sort of explore what it feels like to live that kind of lifestyle? What would you tell them? I would tell them, um, try to implement the squat here and there. You know, I started like this. um, So I could say people don't have to start like this. There's another way, but I think it's really the best option. Um, You know, you can sit on the chair, go down, squat for five minutes, and you get back on the chair. Yep. You know? And so implementing the squat here and there is like the go-to thing, I would say, from my perspective. Yeah, I like that. And one of the, you know, when people ask me that, I always tell them like, create an extremely inviting area on the floor somewhere in your house. So, you know, a hard floor or hard tile is never a very inviting thing to sit down on. But if you put a yoga mat and you put it in a nice area of your home that gets some sunlight, Um, and you just create an area in your home that you have to walk by regularly so that you're aware of it and the yoga Mm -hmm. mat or whatever cushioning you put down on the floor is a, is a, a nice invitation and reminder to just spend a little bit of time on the floor. And even if literally you just go sit on the floor for one second and then get up and then keep going about your day, you're starting to build the habit and an awareness that you can actually do this, right? You don't have to go, you know, and ditch all your chairs overnight, but, but you do have to start. And I think, you know, you have to want, you have to know that it's valuable enough to actually make an effort to put that into your awareness, but create mm-hmm. an inviting floor space of your home. And it's almost like the environment um, ushers you into making those changes without you having to take extra effort, but you need something there to remind you of it. So yeah, it's worth yeah. it. Yeah. You have to have a space um, that can make you able to start yeah. and then it just runs, you know? Um, over time you know you know my journey was I cut I cut down the table that was the thing that I started with and then it went to the couch I got rid of the couch and then I implemented the movement corner and then you know since a couple of months we sleep on the ground cool so it's a journey you know you don't have to Mm -hmm. start by putting everything into your life on one Uh, it's not a good start you know just start in one corner of your of your living room and then it will just spread and you don't even have to think about it because it makes sense and humans tend to stick with the things that make sense right and ground living definitely makes sense you just have to find a way to start whether it's a squad uh here and there or you uh, implement one little space in your room uh, that gives you comfort uh going onto the ground with a little yoga mat and then it's like wildfire you know, a wildfire that takes time. It's not within seconds, but um, over years, whoa, the whole, the whole room, the whole flat is based on ground living. Yeah, you know, I agree. And it's um, even it's all not- the all the, the the furniture is down. You know, we yeah. have this one. This is the highest. Um, what's it called? Like an armoire or a cupboard? Cupboard, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's not as big as me, but we just have, we flat furniture. Cool. You know, I so. think it's important for people to realize there's no expectations also. Like you're, there's no, you're not doing this for anyone. You're doing this for yourself. 
Exactly. And it allows you to turn it from something where you think there's expectations or you think you're not doing it right. It's like, just play with it. Enjoy. Enjoy the journey of just trying to figure out how can I make this part of my life, right? Because it really has to be fun. It has to be fun, right? And it has to be, it is fun when people come over and they're like, whoa, where are all your chairs? It's like, well, I just spent time on the ground. Come on down, try it out. You know, like it's a good conversation topic. And when you realize how quickly your body's uh, integration improves, like how quickly your hips improve in their function, because you're accumulating massive amounts of, let's call it, let's replace hip mobility with ground living. If you spend two hours on the ground, you are doing two hours of hip mobility work without even thinking you're doing that. But that's essentially what you are doing because you have to orient your hips in different positions. You have to, by default, explore many other degrees of rotation. You have to stabilize in a lot of different positions. And, you know, it's this beautiful thing where you don't even have to try the improvements just happen. And then before you know it, you know, your knee pain's gone, your foot's starting to feel better, your low back doesn't hurt. And it's like, it almost feels weird because you haven't done any rehab or work or taking any pain drugs it's like you've literally just put back what you're doing with your body in sync with what your body requires for health and it's like, like it's yeah. so simple right like that yeah. would put so many physical therapists out of a job which is a good thing because those people still have a place but we need to we need to figure out how to enable people to make scalable change right how can a how can millions of people reduce their reliance on medicine by improving their health ground living is a really it's, it's up there on the list because it's so big for physical health and just reshaping how you think of the world. Yeah, exactly. Powerful. All right. Let's talk about, uh, I'd love to talk about, so you just had a baby girl. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, her name's Hila. And Hila. Yeah. I would, I would love to hear. So Milo and Yona are three now. So there was a three year separation between when they were born yeah. and when Hela, how do you say that? Hela? Hela. Hela. Hmm? And when Hela was born, what differences uh, did you experience between the ch childbirth three years ago? Childbirth <laughs> yes. now, because I'm sure your perspective, I mean, probably a lot of things have changed for you and your life and your worldview and a lot of things. Um, even since I've known you, I mean, you've changed the shitload. I've changed the shitload because change is the only constant. And we yeah. both kind of push, um, we both push the intensity on our health process in that we are okay to make radical changes, which means that from month to month, even we're, we, we have different viewpoints. Um, yeah. How has it changed from three years ago until now? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because I think it's probably, I mean, it's a significant life experience. And, you know, we were in London, we talked to Tony Riddle and, and what he said really impacted me on changing my perspective of childbirth as, as a medical procedure to a spiritual experience, if you allow it to be so. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. So first of all, I think it's probably too intense to express the wholeness of it, sure. but I, I do my best, definitely. But so <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> so three years ago, it was just me and my girlfriend that was pregnant. And right. now it's me and my wife. So that's a massive difference. For sure. Um, Good point. And two kids. So mom and dad. And then right. we were just... So it's you and your family. Two. You and your girlfriend versus you, your wife, and your family. Big exactly. So that's like a, a huge difference uh, from the base foundation. And um, so it was, you know, with twins and the status that we had as humans... It was just a medical experience. 
hmm. you know, um, into, uh, we, we went into the clinic and it took like 12 hours in total. And, you know, it was a big event for the whole um, clinic staff, you know, to have the birth of twins. Mm-hmm. And it was a universal university clinic mm-hmm. in Jena. So there were so many doctors and nurses and midwives and the room was full. And back then it was like a feeling of, okay, we are safe. You know, there are a lot of people, there's a lot of attention and we just felt safe. You know, it was the first experience and I had no experience. Um, you know, you have to subtract three years of personal growth from, you know, to the, to, to the point back then. So we just felt safe. It was okay that there were mm-hmm. so many people mm-hmm. and they took really good care of us. And the twins came, um, we call it spontaneous. So it was a normal birth. It was not a C-section. Mm-hmm. Is it the term? Yeah, I think so. Yep. And so that was a, a big accomplishment. It wasn't for me. I like to like, it's almost like a natural birth versus a surgical birth is almost the way that I've started to think about it. So it was an, it was a natural birthing process in terms of the actual like time. Through the, you know, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a clinical natural birth. Yeah, that's true. That's not a good way of explaining it. Yeah. But it, yeah, that's yeah. the difference to now. So now we had a really natural birth cool. in, um, from a modern perspective mm-hmm. in a flat not in a sea or something like that. That would be a really natural birth. Right. And, but so yeah, the, the twins came spontaneous. It was a big accomplishment. Uh, we were happy as hell. And they, you know, they, they came too early, six, six weeks early. Mm-hmm. So they had to stay for a week in the intensive care uh, where Natalie took care of them and they were able to leave the hospital after one week, which, which was also a really big success for us back then. Mm-hmm. You know, they weighed two kilos when we left the hospital. So they were really, really tiny little babies mm-hmm. and they needed a lot of attention and care and love. That's what we realized um, immediately. So I would say the aspect of love just happened with the birth of the twins. You know, the, the love was really present in our lives from, 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 from this point in our lives. Hmm. Um, and it spread just, you know, between me and my wife, uh, it became more, well, my girlfriend back then, but it all just became more intense, you know, uh, the, the fact of a family, you know, mm-hmm. the, the seed was just growing, you know, with the kids, the whole family seed was just growing immensely. And it was a beautiful journey since that we have for three years now. And it just entered into this experience that we had right now uh, from a cl- clinical birth to there's only the possibility to have it at home. It's not even because of Corona that there are weird things happening in the hospital that the, the, the father can't um, be a part of the, of the, of the journey of birth, you know, maybe even the last five minutes or something he can, go into the room, but it, it was not for us. So it was just a possibility of having a, a birth at home. Right. And you had made up your mind. That was the way that you wanted. Yeah. Even before the, all the, the Corona crisis, you right. know, it was not in our mind. So, 
And <laughs> yes. so what did your family think about that? Because I'm sure that was very different from what their perception of what birth yeah, should that was, be. That was like the, How did the, you navigate that? Yeah, that was the, the biggest factor of distraction. Um, because they always, they just push the fact of fear in the focus. Oh, really? What if something is going wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, and, but we were not like concerned about it because what we always said, a pregnancy is not an illness. And that's the first fact that counts for a pregnancy. A pregnancy is not an illness. Right. So you don't have to expect the baddest thing that can happen. You know, you just expect to have a beautiful baby and right. you want it as beautiful as it possibly be. And this is at home. It just can be at home. And it's so funny how we, our perspective is shaped by the fear, right? It's like, okay, you have a, a, a child being born healthy that, you know, I'm going to make up stats, but just to illustrate the point, 99% chance your child will be born healthy without any problems. 1% chance there's a complication that creates a problem. If you have a clinical birth in a hospital, you have a hundred percent chance of having, you know, according to me and according to a lot of people I've heard a poorer experience of childbirth. So you're going to take a 1% risk and turn that into a hundred percent likelihood of not having as good of an experience And it's like, it's such a, an interesting way to view risk, right? I feel like that permeates into a lot of things, you know, and how we treat disease. It's like, well, let's take, let's do this. You're probably, you could have some issues because of this, but the 0.1% chance you get sick, you need this. It's like, yeah. we need to weigh the, the options better. We need to take a more global approach. And I think most people don't even know the potential benefits of a natural birth. So they don't even have anything to, to gauge it against, right? The 1% mm -hmm. that something could go wrong is worth going there because that's the only thing available. When in reality, there's a, there's a totally different paradigm, which you explored on the recent one. Yeah. So, but aside of, we never felt the necessity to defend ourselves. You know, you always have to think about why do they say this? And it's just because they, you know, when people are expressing their fears, they're just literally talking of themselves. Right. You know, they are right. feared. So they fears. have this, yeah, they have this image of a childbirth at home. It's their image that they are expressing to you about your experience. <laughs> right. So just don't defend yourself, you know? And when people, they have to accept it, you know, that you don't have any fear and just leave them with <laughs> whatever, you know, mm -hmm. just let them talk. Right. And there's not the room you know, to defend, you know, it's just, it's just not necessary uh, because when you are cool with the thing, just go on and let yeah. people talk. That's and if they have any, yeah, if they have any questions, just, you know, give the answer. And if they don't understand it, yeah. Okay. They don't understand their fear. It's okay. And so, and we had just had a beautiful experience, Amazing. like really. And the night before she told me that it's, would translate it as the mucus plug just went off and so in one or two days the baby is there and i was like okay cool the next morning we went on to the farmer's market to be prepared for the next days i usually we go on saturday doesn't matter for the community but <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah we we went this morning on a on a farmer's market and we met a good friend our closest friend and we you know the beautiful thing about a farmer's market that you have a relationship with the people that sell your stuff 
yeah i'll just sell the stuff to you so you Jeez. meet like people you're connected to and we had good conversations with the with the cheese lady you know with my farmer <laughs> and then That's we met so cool. my, then we met our best friend and then as we went back to the car like ooh, the bladder was broken hmm. you know and it had like a, a little cut so and then okay let's go home let's go home mm-hmm. and then we drove home and the contractions were here and there and she took a little um a bath like like and and then we called the midwife you know she's one hour away mm-hmm. um so that she can be prepared um get the mind right mm-hmm. and yeah she she arrived at half past 7 p.m mm-hmm. and then it took us five hours around like uh, shortly after midnight Hela was there um yeah i was <laughs> i was amazing. so close to everything it was so beautiful uh natalie was so strong you know it was her spiritual journey to herself um like breathing dude breathing breathing is the thing you know breathing is the way you conquer yourself you know you mm-hmm. you conquer your demons you conquer your ego breathing yep. is really the thing and she had her beautiful breathing technique that helped her through the contractions and i was there for her when she needed something to grab on and to pull on mm-hmm. and then we finished this thing you know i was in the squad boop <laughs> aim into the squad that i <laughs> really changed my, my life and then it was yeah. so beautiful experience and she was on the ground like so uh, big thanks to the ground living uh, the ground living helped a lot with giving yeah. childbirth at home because sure. you know the, the midwife said it was a beautiful quote um childbirth or giving birth is movement so move and you have right. to change the positions you know laying on the back is not a natural childbirth position you know it just makes the job easy for the physician for the doctor so don't (laughs) so crazy to hear put that way you know it's you know dude it's it makes the way things work you know it's not about the people it's just about the money side and it's just makes the job really easy for the physician right when the lady is not moving but she has to move she has to find her position you know she has to find her flow and she has to give the directions you know the midwife can listen and give tips but it's all about the woman yeah and so she found her um her position i helped her through and yeah then hela came out and i realized or this is so deep in my mind now this moment that when the head is out it's like the baby's still in the womb like it's totally freeze Mm -hmm. and calm but it's, it's, it's outside, but it still right. looks like it's inside. And just as it drops out, it expresses something, you know, that it's there. And it was like, it was a beautiful moment. And I immediately saw that it's a girl. I was happy. And uh, yeah, it was just a perfect answer to our life. And um, yeah. That's life, beautiful. Life Thank is you. always finding the best answers to everything. You know, just listen to life. It has answers for everything. And, and the girl, the daughter, the sister for the, the big brothers, it was just like, you're perfect. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, you know, even- I, I sense the smile. Your smile is like contagious. I, I just, it, you can just sense the joy and, and how, how impactful it was for you. And I think just 
just even the small subtlety of giving birth in your own home, in your own shelter, in a familiar environment that you spend your time in, that you feel safe, secure in, mm-hmm. versus a totally foreign environment. With, with the, let's be real, they're strangers. There are strangers around you when you're in the hospital, right? Whether it's doctors learning or whatever, you don't have a personal relationship with those people versus mm-hmm. in your home with your family, with a you know, maybe a single person who's less of a stranger because you probably have more of a relationship with your midwife than just the surgical technician in a hospital. Like even that is so much more natural and in alignment with how birth should actually happen, right? In a safe, familiar environment versus a strange environment with strange people. That plays a role in the experience of childbirth, right? That plays a role in the, in, in, when you don't have those distractions, you can literally tune into the present moment probably so much deeper than when part of your brain is like, who's this person? You know, like we have primitive brains, right? Like part of you is like, well, I got to make sure that I got to know where everyone is so that I know my baby's safe. And you might not think of that on the surface, but part of your brain is doing that. And so that's taking away energy from you just appreciating this insanely unique moment in your life. And yeah, Yeah. it's thank you for explaining, sharing that. It's beautiful. And the big distraction that you have in the hospital is the available medication that you have. Hmm. It's a, a huge distraction. You know, everything is available. It's just, you know, one, one uh, little call away. Yeah. Or they even tell you, oh, do you want this? Do you want this? It's okay. So you get, you lost your attention mm-hmm. to yourself and this opens up for pain. And then you say, of course, okay, it's too hot for me. And right. at home, you don't have the availability, so you don't have the thoughts. Hmm. you know about any medication and the breathing is a medication and what's the breathing you are your breathing so you are your medication <laughs> boom mic drop that and, was great <laughs> and you need nothing more than your trust in your body yeah and to be there you know present centered awareness and that's what it is hmm. that's all you need Dude, and that's so powerful yeah. thank you it for was. sharing that and thanks natty for uh for being for for letting you share that because it, it I mean it's a very personal experience right and like you, we're creating a video and an interview right now that is a lot of people are going to listen to but I think the vulnerability <clears throat> of sharing a very personal experience in your life in order for the for the purpose of inspiring others to hopefully see a different template or a different perspective I think is extremely generous of you and I think it's extremely important that more people do that to to provide alternative perspectives right like if this yeah. is where people are and this is what you just described it doesn't mean people are going to go there but maybe they go here which is in slightly different right it's a slight shift in their perspective where they might do things a bit differently and I think you know if you explain yeah. why you're doing things differently it can give people insight as to well, I wasn't even aware that that was a thing. I didn't even know there was another option. And now when you present the other option, at least it's, it's available for them to decide. And that's very, yeah. that's very important. I think. Yeah. You know, why, why do I share this? Why I'm allowed to share this? Because it's not about me. It's not about her. You know, right. it's, it's just about humanity and I want the best for humanity. I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm at a point in my life where I just think about humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in Rudolstadt. I live in Germany. I live in Europe. You know, these illusionary borders doesn't matter to me. You know, it's, it's just about humanity. Everything you do is about help humanity get back to be human. And explaining or sharing this experience of having a childbirth at home is something that has value for humanity. Right. You know, and yeah, it's just to, you know, lead by example, try to be as human, as humanly possible. 
and try to help humanity reclaim its old spirit. Beautiful. Well, I think an hour flies by very quick, but I think that's yeah. a good place to end off. And we'll save, I had a bunch yeah, of other stuff continue. written down, but we'll save that for another time. Cause yeah. I think just the topic of parenting, I, you know, like I said, I'm that's an outsider. Point. I don't have kids, but I, I love observing human behavior and conversations around parenting seem to always get very emotional. The ones that I witness at least. And I know why, because it's very personal, right? You want, you always want to be doing the best for your kids. And when someone says a different way of doing things, it's easy to interpret that as a critique that you're doing things wrong. There's no right or wrong. There's only mm. different ways. And there's only the only willingness you need is to be open-minded that perhaps there are better ways of doing things. It doesn't mean that you did things wrong or you don't love your kid. It just means that there's different ways. And until we're open to hearing them, it's really hard to change. And uh, I love what you said there because it's really about being more human. And it turns out being human in this day and age is really hard. Yeah. And we need all the help we can get, you and me included, to reclaim being a wild human, being a human being that has a, has a bigger mindset than just me, myself, and I in my home. It's Absolutely. like, you know, China is my backyard, which means that I don't care if my shit is made in China and they're polluting over there. That's my backyard. It's no different than if it was made in my literally backyard, polluting into that, the sky that I'm under. Because guess what? it's all one, we're all on the same marble and we all, yeah. have, we have to take away, you know, you always say, think global, act local. And that's a really good saying because it ties in the fact that we are all in the same environment. We all share the same environment, regardless of where you are on this planet. And if we just think that more frequently and are open and willing to have conversations to kind of hear different perspectives, uh, we live in a, we'll, we'll live in a different world if, if that permeates into culture. Yeah. So. Cool, man. Well, anything you want to say? So you got Baby and Beam uh, is sort of a new project that you and Natty are embarking on and let people know where to find you if they want to get more info or read more about what you do. Give them all, give them all the goodies. Yeah, we just want to express a new idea that we have or, you know, you never stop learning and Baby and Beam is like a new project um, to increase our learning process and to share the experience that we have with it. Um, because there's a major difference that we have right now. We just carry Hela because we think there's a higher purpose in carrying a baby. And it's to make it, to make the experience more human. Like we said, it's just about being more human and carrying a baby is a really human experience. So carrying the baby in contrast to using like a stroller, for example. Exactly. Exactly. We had a stroller with the twins back then. So that's a big difference now. And baby and beam is like, um, Oh, you know, it's awake and, um, good timing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good timing. And so, um, out of focus. So That's baby, okay. and so beam, baby yeah. and beam is a, at, what is it? Cause there's underscores in there, right? If people want to find it on Instagram, how do they search that? Yeah. Baby underscore. Nay, baby underscore and underscore beam. Perfect. That's the one. And then and you it, have, it relates, uh, it relates to the continuum concept. We read a book by Jean Leadloff. I highly recommend it to everyone that wants to be a parent. And yeah, it's just about that. The Western society, people are in arms, contact, um, depraved, hmm. you know, um, we humans need it's, it's like, okay, the baby is nine months in, in the womb. 
and then it, there's an expectations. The baby has an expectation to an environment and the environment has an expectation to the baby. Mm. And this is the contact to the parent. And when you lose the content, uh, the, the contact to the parent, um, the continuum is broken. Hmm. Okay. So this is the, the concept behind this one. Cool. And we want to bring it in combination with the beam practice. Um, there was a really nice little story in the book that, you know, Jean Lidloff, she experienced uh, having like two years of life with an ancient tribe mm -hmm. uh, in Venezuela. And, you know, they took their babies uh, on their walks to carry the water. Hmm. And it was always a 20-minute walk, and they had really great balance, uh, balance uh, over um, locks and stuff. So this is the story behind Baby and Beam, you know, having cool. Beam practice with the baby. Yeah. It's just dedicated, you know, to the, to the traditional tribes um, that um, carry their babies over locks. And um, so it's like a little jungle dance, you know, on the Beam. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> so Very this cool. is like just a, a new little project. And we share this experience on, on Instagram with other people. Amazing. Um, and then you have yeah. your website, feelyoursystem.de, I believe. Yeah. .de. Exactly. Um, and then, uh, and, then beam, and then beam tribe content. Um, so if you go to beamtribe.com, that's how you access that community that we spoke about at the start. And Felix is the primary creator to make videos to improve people's awareness, right? Just like this podcast, the goal is to expand awareness and give people new ideas or new templates to incorporate as they want, um, mainly ground living and childbirth on this one. But, you know, Beam Tribe is short clips, six minutes or less covering certain topics, everything from back pain to foot pain to, uh, you know, more at a more advanced system to work on the balance beam. And, you know, our, our, just both of our goal is just lifestyle. Improved lifestyle. Yeah. It's a, I think it's a lifestyle GPS. You know, there's a lot of yeah. different ways of explaining Beam Tribe because it's not really anything specific. But the goal is bring a community together that can sort of align on the interest of making progress every day to improve their health awareness and make changes. And that's what it's all about. And um, Felix, yeah, thank and you we for... Oh, go yeah, ahead. and we want, definitely want to share maybe a little postnatal practice on Beam Tribe as well. Cool. Uh, we are planning right now um, how this content will look and how to implement it and how, is, how, it, uh, how it can make sense for people. Um, so yeah, and there will be definitely another section for mothers and their babies. Amazing, yeah. cool. Felix, thank you for taking the time today. I know you're a busy father, a busy guy, so uh, we appreciate <laughs> it. If you're listening to this, we hope you enjoyed the conversation uh, yeah. and we'll catch you on the audio project next week. See you later. Bye.